Hello, hockey fans. Welcome to this week's episode of The Press Zone here on the AHL Report. Thanks so much for being here with us. And that's right, if you've missed a couple of weeks and you're usually thinking you're going to be hearing from the press box, you are in the right place. Uh, Just reminding everyone that we have rebranded and we have a new name for the show. It's called The Press Zone. And we're glad that you're here with us today. I'm your host, Amy Johnson. Uh, the lead correspondent here at the AHL Report, and I'm joined each and every week by my wonderful co-host. He's the founder of Rocket Sports Media and our editor-in-chief across the board, master of all things miraculous behind the scenes at Rocket Sports Media, the one and only Rick Stevens. How are you today? I'm doing well, thanks. And uh, just to remind people that we're in our fourth season now, so... We are. We are. First season as the press zone, Mm -hmm. fourth season of the podcast, uh, and uh, Rick and I have enjoyed bringing this show to you uh, for the past three seasons. Season four is going to be tremendous. You know, and and that's the one thing, Rick, that we should mention. Yes, we're just kicking off uh, season four last week. It's today's the the second episode of, of the fourth season. We, unlike a lot of other people out there, a lot of other media outlets out there, we did not take a break during the NHL pause and the AHL shutdown. We have been with you here every single week during the pause, bringing you every little slice of hockey-related information we can possibly dig up, uh, regardless of what league or what part of the world it's from. And so we're glad that you're here with us now because we stuck around knowing that hockey was going to be back. And sure enough, Rick, hockey is back. It's coming back. Uh, and <laughs> training think, camps have opened. <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. We hope. Um, August 1st looks like the date of the, the first uh, the game of the qualifying series. But uh, training camp's underway as of yesterday. For all teams. That's right, they are. So we're going to get into that a little bit, but just wanted to make a note, you know, thank you for sticking with us. We're glad that we were able to be a reliable resource for you every week to give you some sort of hockey, something hockey related to look forward to every week, even though uh, the season was on pause. And now things will just start to ramp up again now that a return to play uh, agreement has been ratified. So we will talk about that a bit in our first segment. Uh, As Rick just alluded, training camps are open across the league, so uh, we'll give you a little bit of an update on what's been going on for the first two days in the Habs and the Flyers training camps. Uh, Also going to talk about uh, Alexander Romanoff on the Montreal Canadiens side, and we're going to talk about Mark Friedman on the Philadelphia Flyers side, both of them in the news this week. Then in the second segment, when we go around the AHL, as we've talked about numerous times over the over the past couple of months during the pause, that part of the return to play would be the Black Aces or the taxi squads for the NHL. And those are players uh, from the AHL that will join the teams in training camp uh, and serve as kind of backups, or some of them may even make make the you know the starting roster. Um, filling in and supplementing those the the traveling team that will go to the hub cities. And so AHL players are going to have the opportunity to make a big impact in the playoffs. And uh, we're going to talk about some of those names that you'll want to keep an eye on across the league um, that you may, maybe perhaps aren't too familiar with, but you will be by the time uh, 
this fall rolls around. Uh, in addition to that, in segment two, uh, going to, to return to a, a tragic story that we talked about earlier this year, uh, a few months ago, when Colby Cave suddenly passed away, uh, his wife, Emily, has recently come out with a with a new story detailing uh, the events of what happened with Colby the night that he got sick and 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 their very um, unfortunate and rapid journey th- through his his medical stay at the hospital. So we're going to touch on that and just give you an update about that uh, in the second segment as well. Then finally, in the third segment, we go beyond the AHL, touch a little bit on um, some some rankings that have come out about the top 50 prospects uh, league-wide and, and touch on those, see if there's some familiar names out there. Uh, the ECHL Trois-Rivières saga continues again. Oh, boy. Get out the theme music uh, like sounds through the hourglass. So <laughs> these are the days of our lives in Trois-Rivières. There is new news, uh, so we'll give you that as well. And, of course, can't can't have a show without a feel-good finale so we've got a great one for you today um but yeah it's a it's a packed show particularly we've had a packed show every week for the last four months but now that hockey's back we've got plenty to talk about we've we've covered the gamut and uh there's been all kinds of news during the break but uh soon we'll get to be talking about scores and stats and uh, great plays and uh, you know, the, the the regular hockey stuff that should be back pretty soon. The, it, does it come with the complaining as well on social media? Always. Okay. I don't. Has that stopped? I don't <laughs> think so. <laughs> I really don't think that it has. I really do not think that it has. Um. Okay. Well, it, go ahead. It's an interesting place that social media. It really is. There's days I want to just throw it out the window. There's days I have kind of thrown it out the window. But but when your job is also to be on it, to stay on top of the news and to dispense the news uh, regarding hockey, it's uh, hard to avoid it sometimes. But I won't jump ahead. No? No, because we're going to get into it. But the the contrast, uh, talking about social media, and and Carl Alsner, of course, played a big role in the Rocket. The Carl Alsner, Max Domi comparison, the reaction comparison is mm. has been fun to watch. Well, we can actually start there before we get into actual training camps. You know, over the weekend, um, the NHL and the Players Union did uh, the the vote was finalized. Um, pretty decent majority for the player vote, uh, so it meant that the NHL Phase Three and Four return to play. Uh, protocol and agreement was ratified as well as the CBA, um, which, in my opinion, they should have voted on those two things separately because I have a feeling that the CBA ratification influenced some votes on the return to play side that perhaps would have voted differently if they were voting solely on the return to play mm-hmm. protocols. Yeah. Um and so I, I, I feel like that was like one of those, you know, you see it in government all the time where you have a bill and somebody, a, a bill that's overwhelmingly popular and somebody throws like a crappy little amendment in there that they know won't hold up the bill and it'll just get passed. And I kind of feel like that's what they did here. Um, granted, thrilled that the CBA is in place and there's not going to be a lockout and, and 
shoo, we've got, you know, six, what is it, six more years, the two remaining years on the CBA, and then Plus four, four yeah. more years. So we've got six years of hockey, no lockout. That that's That's the good news, but I just feel that they should have been separated. Long story short, everything got ratified, Board of Governors approved, and so, bam. Once this weekend hit, it was okay. Phase three starts Monday. Training camps start on Monday. And players have until 5 p.m. on Monday to opt out. Um, and it didn't take long before players started opting out. Um, don't blame anyone who opts out. I actually was expecting there to be more. Um, but there were there were enough. Um, a, one of the late ads on that list was Andrew Shaw last uh, towards the end of the day yesterday got got it right in before that five o'clock uh, deadline that he he you know is still healing up from all of his concussions and so forth and he's looking to come back to play next season um, but for the Canadians Carl Osner was the one who decided to opt out and uh, Rick when we heard the news the first thing that that I said was, well, I don't blame Carl Alsner. I think Carl Alsner has done more than his yeoman share of playing nice and having a good attitude in this organization. He doesn't know the Montreal Canadiens anything at this point. Um, I And so I completely agree with him opting out. I, I understand it. Um, and then what was it, the next day? that the Canadians announced that Max Domi and the Canadians were going to wait for seven to 10 days to decide if he would play or not, uh, seeing as Max Domi is a type one diabetic. Um, so Alsner definitely out. Domi not participating yet remains to be seen if he will. Yeah, it's, um, well, as you said, the, the, happy that the CBA got done. It wouldn't, there's no way that it would have got done in, in the way, in the fashion it did, if not for the pandemic, there's a bit of a right. silver lining there. Right. And uh, all the things that were agreed to, the return to the uh, Olympics that the owners were so much against. Um, and uh, so it's done labor peace and, and, uh, and, but that isn't to say that uh, things are going to be rosy from here on in because there is a huge financial hole, a huge financial debt mm -hmm. uh, that has to be um, accounted for. And, and that'll be spread out. That pain will be spread out uh, over the course of the um, collective bargaining agreement. But it was, I guess, the the return to play protocol, much of it was known ahead of time. And, and it all almost became a... Um, the undercard uh, in all of this, uh, mm -hmm. given that the CBA was such a big accomplishment. Um, but uh, one of those uh, parts of, of the return to play protocol was opting out. And, and like you, I, I um, you know, I, 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 I wouldn't criticize, unlike Mark Bergevin, I would not criticize anyone for choosing to opt out play i thought that was a, a low part of of uh, a pretty poor press conference uh yesterday when he took a veiled shot at uh, carl alsner about opting out um carl alsner as you said uh he's been a very good soldier he he's played well in laval but more than that uh he's the guy who 
has mentored with with uh, such a, a lack of pro experience on the bench, particularly uh, for defensemen. Uh, Carl Alsner has filled that role for uh, the organization, and mm-hmm. and he's um, uh, taken um, um, a flurry under his his wing and and helped develop him. Then last year it was with uh, Josh Brook. Um, Done a great job. Carl Alsner said over the summer, didn't want to play in in the AHL anymore. Wanted a chance to get back to the the NHL. Um, did Bergevin try? Um, unlikely. Um, you know, it, could could a, a a trade have been arranged? Yes, it could have been. But Mark Bergevin didn't want. Um, you know, the press out there that he only got a whatever the round pick uh, for for Carl Alsner because mm-hmm. um, he thought that would look bad on on him. Um, but the 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 fans were merciless uh, on social media with respect to criticizing Carl Alsner, saying he wasn't a team player and he was a bum and and uh, all of that sort of thing. yet, when the, the news was uh, uh, announced that Domi was going to, uh, at least we don't know if he's he's going to uh, be part of this, but he's going to take some time and think about it. It was all supportive. Yes, uh, think of your family, think of yourself, think of, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Completely opposite uh, reaction uh, to a similar sort of of uh, decision. Um, anyway, um, I I... I I applaud those Travis Hamanick and others who've made the difficult decision uh, not to participate uh, and and opt out um, in what can be uh, a risk for not only themselves but their family and children and and uh, so on. Absolutely, I mean, Carey Price himself a few weeks ago uh, in one of his first interviews said essentially that he said no one. And this is coming, you know, fans need to just remember how they feel themselves about coronavirus and the risks and whether or not people around them wear masks or or act responsibly and safely. But Carey Price himself said, no one, there's not a player in this league who will fault or judge any other player in this league who who chooses to opt out, it is a very. He said it was a very personal decision to make, that only every player could decide that for themselves and their families. That it was a very difficult decision for every player to make, and that no player should be judged negatively for opting out. It simply just shouldn't be done. That's coming from Carey Price. Um, and hands down, that's mostly how most players have echoed, not just on the Canadians, but on the Flyers and on any team, understanding that, you know, there's no shame in opting out. There's no shame in putting your own health, your parents' health, your wife's health, your kids' health, your family's health first and not knowing the risks, particularly when you're someone like Carl Alsner, who for the last year and a half has not been treated well by the organization and who probably knew that for all intents and purposes, he might not even play if he chose to come. He might be an extra defenseman. And so that gets added to the decision as well. You know, A, 
that you know I've 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 been a good sport for the last year and a half. I've I've done you know, I've not been in the position that I've wanted to be in. I've been vocal about that. They still didn't do anything to help me out. I still put a good face on. I still did my part. I mentored young kids uh, in the AHL. I did my job. I did it well. I'm just not willing to take another risk for something that I might not even, he, that he, no, there's no guarantee he's going to play. I don't blame him at all. I also don't blame Max Domi for wanting to wait. I think the fact that Max Domi and the Canadians feel that they need to wait for a week to 10 days, there's your answer right there. What Nothing is going to change in a week to 10 days. No. Um, so if you're already hesitant, we've said that weeks ago, Max Domi has an underlying condition. I'd love to see Max Domi on the ice. I don't think it's worth the risk. I don't think it's worth the risk. I think he should opt out. Um it's a shame that people have to, you know, again, be be grateful that you're getting to see sports at all right now. I think it's, you know, I'm I'm not shy about saying that I think it's and I, and I'm someone who works in sports media. So, yes, uh, you know, it's it's my job to cover sports. It's my job to want it to be back. But I also believe that it's a bit frivolous of us of a society to be celebrating the return of sports entertainment for sheerly for our and for for fans entertainment um in a time when we're going through a pandemic so i don't fault anyone who has opted out uh, and i certainly hope that fans would be a bit more forgiving as well um with that being said i mean it's now that all of the now that all the players who are participating have reported to their facilities across the league. And now that the NHL has mandated that no team is allowed to individually report on injuries or COVID tests um, due to protecting player privacy. So now, you know, if someone has an ankle sprain, the team has to just say they're not fit to practice. They're not fit to participate so that we don't allege, you know, Ideally, so that people can't figure out who's sitting out because of a positive COVID test or exposure and who has an injury and so so on and so forth. Well, I think the words not fit to practice must have been trending on Twitter yesterday because practically every team had guys who didn't show up for practice. The Islanders had, I think, five guys who didn't practice yesterday. For the Canadians, uh, Josh Brook, Xavier Ouellette, and Brett Kulak didn't practice yesterday. Now, Josh Brook did practice today. And this is also coming on the, he interestingly, coming on the heels of, of a story by Arpin Basu, who reported a couple of days ago that, according to sources from him, that, from him, that three unnamed Canadians players had tested positive. Now... Yesterday after sessions were done, Arpin walked that back a little bit, saying that his sources are now saying that two of those were false positive tests. Mm -hmm. And okay, Josh Brooke was on the ice today. He wasn't yesterday. However, Xavier Ouellette and Brett Kulak still did not practice today. Shea Weber mysteriously didn't practice today, but then took the ice as soon as practice was over and spent 40 minutes practicing on his own. Claude Julian couldn't elaborate as to why he couldn't practice, and Claude Julian said that he expects Shea Weber to be back on the ice for practice with his teammates tomorrow. So 
It's all a bit of a mystery. You've got the Pittsburgh Penguins, Rick. You were the one that that told that uh, I hadn't noticed this until the story came out. But um, the Pittsburgh Penguins, who the Canadians will be facing first in the qualifying round, they have a couple people sitting out right now, right? Uh, about nine of them um, <laughs> for fear of, of uh, secondary contact and uh, uh, from people who have tested positive. Uh, it, listen, I, I give full credit to to the Penguins for being cautious. Yeah. Uh, very cautious. Uh, but it just shows that this thing could go sideways pretty quick. Um, and also this whole thing about unfit to play. Um you know, Claude Julian was dancing around it today with respect to Weber. Um, he wasn't able to practice with uh, his teammates, but uh, I cannot say any more than that. I mean, uh, Pete DeBoer uh, was, was uh, when, when asked about Marc-Andre Fleury, he hasn't been on the ice for, for uh, hasn't practiced for, for uh, twice now. And Pete DeBoer said, uh, yeah, but, but it's not COVID-related. So um, <laughs> th- th- this isn't going to last. This unfit-to-practice business no. is not going to last. It is a nice try by by uh, the NHL. And and listen, a, a lot of people are criticizing the NHL about how, mishandling this whole thing. Um, you gotta you gotta put a little more of the blame on the players because it was the NHLPA who insisted uh, that uh, that it be handled this way. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and okay, so the players want their privacy, um, but listen, did do you think th- that uh, Oscar Lindblom might have wanted his privacy? Um, Maybe that was a non hockey related uh, condition. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, if, if you get um, uh, other virus, mononucleosis, or uh, this is going to come out um, and, and it's going to be pretty easy to deduce for the most part. Well, when Sidney Crosby had the mumps, I mean, <laughs> everybody knew. <laughs> so um, it, this is a worldwide pandemic. Uh, I don't know why there's such a... A stigma attached to it. Maybe it's because um, some players, uh, you know, were doing things that they shouldn't have been doing, and 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 uh, creating that that uh, risk that that risk of exposure for themselves. But um, it's something that that uh, is going to have to be dealt with, and there, there it shouldn't come with the the shame, and we have to hide it, and and all of that. Otherwise, this 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 isn't going to work. It's not. Uh, in fact. It also shows how fragile phase three technically still is until these teams get to their hub cities and get into that bubble, that quote unquote bubble, right? Because sure, they're going through all of the proper protocols um, at the facility while they're practicing here in phase three, but they're not locked down. Uh, Lars Eller did an interview today with uh, uh, with the Washington Capitals talking about how um, – you're putting a lot of trust in the guys that you're on the ice with that yes you know that everyone in the f- in the practice facility that everybody's safe when you're there but then you have to trust that when they leave that practice facility at the end of the day that the guys that you share that ice and that locker room and and the bench and the management and the training staff and the coach that everyone is going to make responsible decisions and not put themselves at risk of exposure um and that's that's just it 
they, these guys are going to spend this week and a half to two weeks in their in their home city uh, at their training facility. Sometimes, I hate to say it, doing who knows what, going who knows where, being around who knows who, and then they're going to go to the bubble. Then they're going to go to their hub city. Remember, COVID could take 14 days, 21 days before becoming symptomatic or, or testing positive. Um, that means that they might get exposed during this time in phase three, and nobody will know it until they get to the bubble. Um, so as, as Rick said at the very beginning of the segment, yes, for now, hockey is back. It could still go sideways really quickly. In phase three, as you say, uh, and as Lars Eller points out, uh, the players are not yet in a bubble. Let me add to that. The facility is not yet a bubble. <laughs> it, it boggles my mind, and I mentioned this on Saturday, the Canadians Connection podcast. Uh, I was, um, uh, Chris G was sitting in for Joe Whalen, and, and uh, Chris and I d- disagreed on this, but uh, it boggles my mind that Broussard is open for business, uh, that they are, that Group CH has advertised uh, open skating uh, on Friday nights and weekends when the team isn't there. Now, as Chris pointed out, they they um, are using different uh, dressing rooms, but they use the same uh, uh, rink. They use the same bench. They use all of this. And, and the people who clean that facility have to be right 100% of the time. They have to be perfect in the way they... Um, they execute uh, their role, and can we trust that? And 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 why trust that? Why open up uh, an opportunity for for letting the public in, and and even in the air system, which which we know um, is a way that that uh, COVID can be passed. Uh, why for the for the relatively small amount of money that uh, Group CH is going to take in. Uh, renting out these facilities, why, 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 why would they uh, uh, risk uh, the health of their players? And it's not even don't do it for the whole summer. It's just for a, couple, a few weeks. Just don't yeah. do it for once. Once the Habs leave for Toronto, have at it. Do whatever you want at Broussard. But why have members of the public in that building at any time right now? You're right. This is it's 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 completely baffling. Um, it's, it'll be interesting to see how it goes, but we have, uh, gotten through two days of training camp. Now on the flyer side of things, um, they've been healthy. Most, a lot of the guys had reported for phase two, uh, to Voorhees. They had trickled in quite a few of the flyers players during that time. So a lot of them were already there. A lot of them had already been undergoing testing. Um, so Let's just say Alain Vigneault wasted no time. Um, he, you know, practice has been has been pretty intense, getting right into it, uh, and he has been quoted numerous times as being just laser focused on that cup. He has said, "We're bringing it home to Philly. This group is going to do it. We're here to win the cup." Um, that is what they're focused on. And Rick, that's a, a little bit of a different message than we heard from Mark Bergevin at the start of Canadians camp. Well, uh, Chuck Fletcher delivered a, a bit different message. Uh, his primary, uh, the first thing out of his mouth was about 
uh, being responsible, being safe and being responsible. And, and that responsibility uh, uh, is, is needed from every person and it carries uh, through the, the, uh, the roster. Uh, that they all need to take care of themselves in order to take care of of uh, the rest of the the, the players. Um, Elaine Vino, uh, if you've been to I I saw him practice uh, conduct practice uh, when he was with Montreal, and and you always see uh, coaches um, they they spend a lot of time on the board with a group um, uh, around them um, explaining the drills and there's a lot of standing around in in practice Elaine Vigneault doesn't do that no he pre-explains in the locker room ahead of time um, practice what's going to happen what's and then when practice starts it's he goes uh, and players are expected to know except this time um, he slowed things down a bit and his his uh, so there was some some uh, a lot more on ice a lot more uh, on ice instruction the boards on on the glass that sort of thing and he explained the difference uh, in that that they need to get they need to uh, adjust for the first couple of days and we saw the flyers unlike the Canadians the flyers were split into two groups um, they need to get everybody to the same point. And, and he said that his players have had different access to, uh, gyms, to training facilities, to rinks. So they've got to get them to, to the same point and then they can go really hard. Uh, and he figures that's going to be a, a couple of days and they're going to, they're going to keep them split. thought it was interesting that, um, group two was, was sitting watching group one on the ice mm-hmm. and all the players were masked. Uh, that was that was very interesting and yep. and and uh, indicative of how serious Chuck Fletcher has uh, laid down the the, the guidelines. Um, I should say too that uh, at Flyers camp, uh, the Phantoms are pretty well represented. Oh yeah, um, from Farabee, Frost, Bunneman, uh, Abe Kubel, all the the names you recognize, but. Also, guys that spent a fair bit of time with the Phantoms, uh, German Rupsov, uh, Twerensky, Andy Andreoff, uh, the defenseman, Mark Friedman, Weatherspoon, Walensky, Prosser, um, goaltenders, Alex Lyon, and Ustamenko. Uh, so there, there's a lot of Phantoms. Now, now I, I should say that same goes for uh, members of the Rocket uh, at, at the Canadians' practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jake Evans, Ryan Paling. Uh, Kakanyemi, wherever you want to place him, whether whether with the Rocket or the Canadians last year. Uh, Charles Houdon, uh, Caden Fleury, Noah Juleson, Josh Brook, uh, Gustav Olofsson, uh, Xavier Ouellette, Christian Folan. A um, couple of names uh, not there. Oscar Leskinen, who um, might have might have received a might have been a consideration. Uh, he wasn't included in the roster, and uh, Lucas uh, Vedemo, who uh, decided to stay in Europe. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and on the Flyers side, uh, of course, the big omission is Nolan Patrick. Um, it had it had been decided that he would, particularly with the COVID risk, it was better for him. He is feeling better, but he still is in recovery. Uh, and so Fletcher has outlined that the plan is to get Nolan Patrick healthy for the 2021 season uh, and, and not pressure him to get back, to try to get back for this for this shortened uh, cup run. Perhaps a, a surprise inclusion was Egor Zamula, and mm-hmm. and um, 
you know, Calgary Hitman played in the WHL, um, only played about 25, 28 games, um, and had season ending back surgery, um, and was, well, he was out for months and, and recovered, but, but he seems, um, healthy and ready to go. And he's been part of, of, uh, the training uh, camp so far. One interesting thing I wanted to note, you know, we talk all the time about how we we pay attention here at Rocket Sports to work ethic and and character and and who puts in the extra effort and um as we mentioned, the the Flyers are practicing in two groups. Uh they're splitting into group A and group B and those and they they alternate times that they practice each day and when one group is practicing, the other one masked up is in the rank watching their teammates practice, um, which is, it's a, it's a great system that they have. We've also compared many times the character and the work ethic of two goaltenders in both organizations, Alex Lyon for the Lehigh Valley Phantoms the and the Flyers and Charlie Lindgren with the Laval Rocket and the Montreal Canadiens. Interestingly, yesterday for group A with the Flyers, the very first person to step on the ice yesterday was Alex Lyon. And for the Canadians' practice, the very last person to leave the ice yesterday was Charlie Lindgren. <laughs> uh, so some things never change, and and that's a good thing. And and those two, it's it was I it made me kind of just with a little wry grin, like okay, those two, and those are they're two goaltenders that are trying to prove themselves at an a- NHL level, and they're obviously right back at it on the first day of practice one of them being the first one to hit the ice the other one being the last one to leave the ice so i like that (laughs) um one name that we will now see on the canadians roster soon enough uh but who will not play is Alexander Romanov, uh, Rick. He was, you know, lots of hemming and hawing. The league finally said, yes, okay, you know, you can make these these ELC signings, um, burn a year, of the, the first year of the contract, how we- and they can gain the experience of practicing with the NHL team. They can travel to the hub city. They can be part of your, your 31-man roster, um, but they cannot participate. They're not eligible to participate in the qualifying round or the playoffs. Uh, and so, Rick, it didn't take long for the Canadians and for Romanoff to to step right on that. And uh, he went ahead and signed his ELC effective for the 1920 season. Signed three years, um, entry level contract uh, that, as you said, will will be burnt this year. Uh, the first year, that is. Um, and and it's to uh, acclimatize him, I guess, to the team, to North America. Um, the contract, uh, he couldn't do anything. He couldn't apply for a visa until the contract was, um, signed and registered. And that could only happen on Monday at noon. So, uh, now I guess he's working on his visa. And, uh, once that's done, he'll come over and then have to go into quarantine. Um, apparently he's registered for the express quarantine <laughs> plan and, uh, they figure he should be through that in 18 days or eight days rather than 14 days. Mm. Um, so uh, all in all, it looks like he's going to miss out on training camp and will likely arrive, uh, about the time that the team heads to Toronto, uh, for the uh, qualifying round for an exhibition game in the qualifying round. Um, 
So he'll have that experience. Uh, Mark Bergevin seemed to hint that um, knowing that Romanoff wants to play uh, and he hasn't played, uh, you know, since back in the spring, uh, they wanted to make sure that um, he he wasn't going to sign a, an KHL contract and mm-hmm. play there uh, and then be unavailable when the 2021 season starts. Um, his agent kind of threw cold water on that and saying that, that they, there was never really any intention to, to sign in the KHL because of the fact he wants to play in the NHL and there's no kind of uh, transfer agreement, uh, that he could leave the KHL midway and, and, uh, then come for the season starting. So, and as far as the other leagues, the other European leagues, it, it probably wouldn't have worked out. So this seems, um, just a you know he'll he'll uh, uh, get a a place he'll find a place he'll get acclimatized, um, and Arpen Basu said this is a perfect opportunity for him to learn French. Um, Priorities. <laughs> Priorities. How about English first? Um, but uh, how about play North American hockey? Yeah, well, how about that? that be- yeah. yeah, yeah. Get to know his teammates. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, he'll uh, he'll be around the team uh, for the uh, likely for the the exhibition game and the three to five games against uh, Pittsburgh. Wonderful. There was another signing that happened this week. The Flyers uh, quickly yesterday announced a, a signing of their own, uh, signing Mark Friedman, um, defenseman Mark Friedman, to a two-year contract extension. A two-year one-way contract extension. This is a big deal for Mark Friedman. Mark Friedman, um, you know, has had his ups and downs, but he's really solidified his game uh, at the AHL level this past season. Um, he's a guy that we've talked about quite often, and for the the fact that they're giving him a two-year extension and making it one way, sure, that means he could still end up playing for the Phantoms, but he's going to be making. Uh, NHL money when he's doing it. Um, it's it 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 lends itself towards the Flyers probably thinking that they'll see him in Philadelphia more than they will in Allentown, um, and that's a great thing for Mark Friedman. He's earned that contract extension. Um, I've I've made a couple of Flyers podcast uh, guest appearances during the course of this past season. Mark Friedman has always come up and he's always been one that I've said, I think good things are coming for him. And sure enough, uh, he has made that happen. Uh, He is practicing. Uh, He is part of the Flyers uh, playoff roster. Uh, He's, he's there in Voorhees. He's doing well. Um, And I think this is the, you know, he's, as I said, he's, he's had his ups and downs. He's had his struggles with consistency. Um, but I think he's going to compete for a roster spot next year. Um, and, and, uh, even if he doesn't quite make, make it out of training camp, I don't think that he'll be long in Lehigh Valley. No, he looked good. Uh, he had a great season for the Phantoms and, and, uh, looked good in his call-ups. And so, uh, I, I, uh, th- this is a, a smart move. There's a bit of a crowded blue line in Philadelphia, but, uh, he'll have an opportunity to, uh, to show uh, himself in in uh, the training camp and and uh, beyond, absolutely. So, congratulations both to Alexander Romanov on signing his ELC. Welcome to 
the NHL. Uh, and uh, congratulations to Mark Freeman on his contract extension. Uh, Freedzy, as they like to call him. He's uh, got to be a pretty happy guy, particularly that he's playing with the Flyers right now. Best of luck to both of them. That will wrap up our first segment. Uh, We're going to take a quick break. And on the other side of these brief messages, we're going to go around the AHL with the playoffs and the qualifying round and the round robins all getting ready to start. Sure, you're going to see all of your NHL favorites out there on the ice, but you're also going to see a lot of guys whose names perhaps around the league you're not as familiar with. Well, those are going to be those AHL Black Aces guys who really have a chance to make a difference for their NHL squads this year. And we'd like to give you a little preview on some names that you should keep your eye out for uh, all around the league. So don't go anywhere. We will be back right after this message. For all the latest news, interviews, analysis, and commentary about the Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and every other team in the American Hockey League, as well as information on prospects, junior hockey, and international hockey, head over to AHL.Report, the home of the AHL Report. Follow along on Twitter at the AHL Report for live game updates, ringside photography, game recaps, and articles containing exclusive audio and video of your favorite players. That's the AHL Report, proud partner of Rocket Sports Media, AHL.Report. From the Press Box is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at Rocketsportsmedia.com. Welcome back to the Press Zone here on the AHL Report. Thanks so much for joining us again. I'm your host, Amy Johnson, joined by my co-host, Rick Stevens. And don't forget to give us a follow on Twitter. Two places we want you to be sure that you're following. First, we want to make sure that you're following the AHL Report so that you never miss an article or a podcast episode or news that we're sharing. So make sure you're following at the AHL Report on Twitter. But we also have a brand new uh, Twitter account for this podcast. So be sure you're also following at the Press Zone. So at the AHL Report and at the Press Zone. Make sure you're following them both on Twitter. That way you will not miss a thing all week long. Now, in the second segment, we go around the AHL. And um, as we said, you know, first, we're going to get some uh, might get a couple of exhibition games to get the get the players warmed up. Then we're going to launch into the qualifying round uh, to determine who the final teams to qualify for the for the Stanley Cup playoffs will be. At the same time that's going on, those teams who are seeded already in the playoffs will be playing a round robin tournament just to kind of get their legs underneath of them and get get some game conditioning in as well. As all of this happens, and then we get into the playoff run. All of your favorites are going to be out there. No matter what team you root for across the NHL, your favorites are going to be out there on the ice, in addition to some maybe not as well-known players. Um, players that maybe, oh, I think I've heard that name somewhere before. And some you're just going to, who is who? I've never heard of that person. Well, that's why you come here to the Press Zone in the AHL report, because we've been reporting on these guys either around the AHL or when they were drafted, when they were prospects. Uh, and so... A lot of these players in the AHL have a real opportunity, Rick, uh, in the coming months 
if the tournament actually resumes um, to really make a difference and make a name for themselves and kind of put their stamp on, hey, hi, I'm here. Get ready to get to know me in the NHL in, in the upcoming season. Uh, and uh, the list is pretty lengthy of guys that, that people should be on the lookout for. And let's start with um, both the Canadians and the Flyers. Um, to start, um, with the Canadians, um, you know, you're looking at, at uh, guys that we mentioned earlier, um, whether it be uh, Kakanyemi or, or uh, Ryan Paling, but the, the name that stands out uh, for many is Jake Evans. Mm-hmm. And, and we've seen in the first two practices that Jake Evans is the center is centering the fourth line um, between wheel and Weiss and and um, some may forget that it was Nate Thompson uh, that was dealt to Philadelphia at the trade deadline um, and opening up this spot uh, and and it looks like uh, Jake Evans uh, is penciled in for it uh, on the fourth line uh, for the Montreal Canadiens. Jake Evans uh, has been worked really hard to get to this point. Jake Evans has gone through some pretty low points in the last couple of years, um, trying to to find his footing, find his confidence, um, not always put in the best situations, but something has really turned around for him this year. Um, was started, you know, he was given a little more responsibility, and as he earned more responsibility, he was producing more, he was being... You know, he's a very strong player. He's physical. He plays with a little bit of grit, um, but he's very good at what he does. Uh, I We've we've always uh, been very high on Jake Evans, and, and I think that he's going to uh, – I think he's going to do well. Um, and it's interestingly, uh, Claude Julian has even alluded to the fact that um, he said something to the effects today of, you know, well, this isn't necessarily – you know, in evaluation camp, but there are some players that are impressing us and who knows, uh, may force our hand to change, to change our plan of attack. Um, maybe Jake Evans is one of those guys. Uh, it, it, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he was. You uh, mentioned Claude Julian. Interestingly enough, he was asked a question today about Nick Suzuki and why not. Uh, Nick Suzuki is going to be relied on to be the second line, uh, center, um, with uh, particularly with Domi out. Um, but when he was asked about Su- Suzuki, uh, Claude Julien replied about Jesperi Kotkaniemi, <laughs> <laughs> who uh, has impressed him. Uh, remember when, uh, when, when we last uh, checked in on Claude Julien uh, with respect to uh, Kotkaniemi, uh, they were they were in disfavor, and mm-hmm. and uh, and that's what uh, led to Kakinemi uh, heading to the to the uh, Laval Rocket. Well, um, he's uh, apparently impressing the coach at least in the first two days, um, manning the third line uh, between Byron Byron and Lekkonen. What I also find to be significant about that is let's not forget that not only had Kakinemi been sent down to the AHL pretty unceremoniously. Um, and was doing decently, but his season ended before the AHL season got canceled. Uh, Kakinemi was out with an injury. Um, spleen injury. Very, uh-huh. very serious spleen injury. Um, and a lot was unknown about that for most of the summer, just kind of, oh, he seems to be doing well, and but not a lot of details. So not only has Kakinemi come 
come back and seems to be in excellent form and is impressing Claude Julian with his play, he's doing that on top of having had a pretty serious injury um, over the last few months that he's rehabbed on his own. So congratulations to Kakinemi on that. Now, I said we we're also going to check in on the Flyers uh, as far as AHL players uh, who could make an impact. And uh, Morgan Frost comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, he had 40 games uh, with the Phantoms and uh, where he put up uh, 29 points. His his transition to the Flyers was uh, not, so, not so easy. 20 mm-hmm. games, though. He had 20 games of experience. And uh, if he could um, get his scoring touch and figure it out, uh, that would... Uh, he could be a, a key piece as the the uh, Flyers are expected to go on a, a, an extended Stanley Cup run. Absolutely. I think Joel Farabee and Connor Bonnerman will also uh, do their best to make their mark. Uh, so those are two to keep an eye out for uh, with the Flyers as well. If you take a look then around the league, though, practically every team has at least one name that you might not be familiar with um, that you really should be looking out for. Um, You know, you've got uh, Owen Tippett playing for the Florida Panthers. Uh, He's somebody that we're actually going to we can mention even in in the next segment as as one of the the top prospects in the league right now. Alex Nedeljkovic uh, is one of the goaltenders for the Carolina Hurricanes. We all... <laughs> we'll see what happens there. We'll see with him. Uh, but definitely a name that you want to keep an eye on. Now, for the Minnesota Wild, Gerald Mayhew is somebody that you want to keep an eye on. Now, you may not have heard of Gerald Mayhew, but if you've listened to this podcast, particularly this summer, you know the name Gerald Mayhew. It's ringing a bell. It's because he was one of the top players in the AHL this year. Uh, one, he he was the MVP for the league for the AHL this year, uh, led the league in goals. He was tied for second in power play goals and tied for third in points. Gerald Mayhew is someone who is going to try to make some noise for the Minnesota Wild. You can be sure of that. Yeah. Uh, for the Maple Leafs, Timothy Lilligren. Uh, that's someone that you're going to, of course, want to keep an eye on. Interestingly, though, Lilligren was... Um, the player who was not fit to practice yesterday mm-hmm. for Toronto. So we'll see how that goes. Um, Jake, back to the Carolina Hurricanes, Jake Bean is another one. One of the best defensemen in, in the AHL last year. And, and uh, he's, he's, he's ready to be uh, in the, the NHL and, and uh, should help uh, the Carolina Hurricanes in their pursuit of the Stanley Cup. For sure. You know, there's this is the time when you really appreciate what it is that the AHL is there for, and it is to prepare these players for moments like this. Their season may have been cut short when it was canceled back in back in March or April. Um, but they've maintained their their training as best they could at home. The AHL has done its duty to prepare them for big NHL pressure, and there are a significant amount of AHL players um, who will be given a golden opportunity to really make a difference, and that could change everything for them for next season. Um, So be sure to pay attention to the names that you don't necessarily recognize when you're watching each of these games. Um, Because 
in all likelihood, there's someone who's made a significant impact at the league just below the NHL um, and and could be an up-and-comer and will, of course, be sure to be highlighting those stories as well. Like Bakersfield. Like Bakersfield. Who's in Bakersfield? Which leads us into our next. Oh, <laughs> look at you with the segue. <laughs> Nicely done. Nicely done. Yes, Bakersfield. Um I think would have had uh, would have had a, a great addition um, for this time of the year uh, had had tragedy not basically struck twice. I mean, the, you know the, the the Bakersfield Condors were equally shocked and saddened when when the AHL also had to be put on pause back in March and games started to get canceled and and shortly after that. Um, the Bakersfield team, the AHL, the hockey world in general, suddenly lost uh, a really tremendous player and and great guy off of the ice. Uh, pretty much everyone is probably familiar with the tragic story of Colby Cave's sudden passing. Um, if you don't quite recall, it was it was not long after uh, the shutdown. He died on April 11th. Um, earlier that week, he suffered a, a massive brain bleed due to uh, a cyst in his brain. Uh, it happened very quickly. Uh, it was all chronicled on social media by his wife. They'd been married for less than a year, um, just less than a year, uh, and and heartbreakingly chronicled by, by Emily Cave, um, on social media, including probably one of the most um, gut-wrenching photos I've ever had to see, which was, you know, she wasn't, the time that Colby was in the hospital, of course, she couldn't be with him at all because of COVID. She couldn't be in the room with him, even though he was not awake. And um, it was very difficult for her. And so the, the one of the last pictures that she posted was of her completely masked up and gowned up, but just draped over top of him uh, in his hospital bed because she was finally permitted to come see him and say goodbye because there wasn't, you know, there wasn't going to be any path back for Colby. Uh, it was just a, just a heartbreaking photograph. Um, and Rick, she has, she's been very vocal through all of this. Um, you know, I, I can't imagine going through all of that um, and and posting it all on social media at the same time. I guess part of that was was uh, therapeutic for her to share the story, but also to to keep all of his fans informed as well and and get the the love and support back from from the hockey community. Um, and she's now penned uh, a lengthy essay on, uh, it's on ESPN right now, I believe, um, called Emily Cave, My Life with Colby Cave and How I'll Honor His Legacy. And it's really, um, there's parts of it that are difficult to read. It, it chronicles exactly what happened the day that he got sick and and how everything went in the hospital and in the, in the days that followed but also talks about you know the the very adorable story about how they met and how they fell in love and and now what she's planning to do now that he's gone and and honor his memory it's uh it's heartbreaking and and we talked about it uh when it happened and and when you're 
read additional details uh, from directly from Emily, it's uh, maybe even more heartbreaking. Um, she talked about, besides herself, uh, the last person that Colby talked to uh, was uh, Keith Gretzky, uh, the assistant GM of the Oilers. And in that conversation, Keith uh, told Colby that when the NHL came back, Colby would be one of the black aces. Uh, he would be uh, part of the expanded roster. So um, when the Oilers returned um, for training camp yesterday, um, they practiced under the scoreboard, uh, which had a picture of Colby on it, and the hashtag, we skate for Colby. Mm. Um, Emily, in, in this story, she talks about how uh, amazing a number of, of uh, NHLers have been, uh, but in particular, Connor McDavid and his girlfriend, uh, Lauren. Mm -hmm. And um, Connor, uh, when, when he was interviewed uh, yesterday, uh, he said, uh, this is the first time we've been together in a big group since Colby passed. Those emotions are still fresh and it makes it even more real now that we're all together and he's not be able, not able to join us. We're going to play for Colby and he'll be with us throughout. It's just, it, it's really difficult. Um, I can't imagine what it's like for that group to be together for the first time since Colby's passing. She hasn't been able to hold uh, a funeral for him yet because of uh, social distancing and, and things of that nature. Um, they have uh, set up a foundation, a Colby Cave Memorial Fund, which uh, supports community programs involving mental health and will help underprivileged children uh, gain access to playing sports, which I think is a is a wonderful thing. She says, since we were married only a year, we didn't have a chance to have kids yet, but I know Colby would have been an incredible dad. That's the one thing I'll miss the most, but I know he'll help so many kids through the foundation. I think that's a wonderful um, initiative for her. Um, the one thing that I will mention, and this will be my my PSA moment, um, she talks about the night that he that he fell ill, um, and reading it reminded me of there's there's certain things during my what feels like a lifetime ago during my years as a as a television news reporter, um, I, I had the great fortune to do a lot of medical reporting. And so I talked to a lot of doctors and I learned a lot. Um, and I always, and, and something she said reminded me of something I had always been, I, I had done a, a, a piece on stroke, uh, and aneurysms. Um, and she says that at 11 PM, Colby started complaining of a headache. He said he was in a lot of pain. Kolb was never sick. He didn't get the flu, never caught a cold. He was the epitome of health. I messaged my sister, who was a nurse, and started looking things up on Google. Colby said, it's probably just a migraine. I remember saying, what if it's not a migraine, Kolb? Um, and of course, throughout the night he got, she says he got significantly worse. He got up and, and vomited a number of times and, and, and so on and so forth. So my PSA moment is... Doctors that I had spoken with during my reporting time has have always said the question to ask yourself in a situation like that is, is this the worst headache that I've ever experienced in my entire life? If you would categorize it like that, be on the safe side and call 911 or call a doctor's office. Um, that is usually one of the first indicators that something's wrong. Um, but it's, uh, 
it's it's hard to listen to her go through everything. Um, and this upcoming season, I, I think, will not be easy for her. I like, Rick, how she does say that the hockey community and the Edmonton Oilers and, and Bakersfield have really kept her close. Um, they keep her involved. Um, there were... Uh, Dave Tippett's wife, Wendy, had, had, um, uh, sorry, Dave Backus and his wife, Kelly, had set up uh, Zoom prayer groups during, during the days that Colby was in the hospital, uh, bringing, bringing all of the teammates and family members together virtually to, to pray together for Colby. And I think they continue to do things like that, uh, keeping, keeping Emily in mind. And it really just goes to show you what a community hockey is, um, Stories like Colby Cave, stories like Oscar Lindblom, who who you mentioned earlier, um, you know, they bring the whole hockey community together as as one family, and it's 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 horrible to have to come together through tragedy like that. But at the same time, it shows you the strength behind hockey. On that note, uh, we will take one more quick break. On the other side of it, uh, we're going we're going to go beyond the AHL. We're going to give you a look. We mentioned a name in this segment that we said is also on the top fifty prospect rankings right now. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about that and see if there's some familiar names on who the hot prospects are around the NHL, as well as yes, you guessed it. There's an update on Trois Rivières and the ECHL team. So. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this. Be sure to follow us on social media. Find us on Twitter at The AHL Report. Check out our original game photography on Instagram at AHL Report. And watch our exclusive video interviews with players, coaches, and other notable hockey names on our YouTube channel at All Habs. Just remember to turn on notifications so that you never miss a video. The AHL Report, your premier source for Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and all American Hockey League news. From the Press Box is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. In addition to building a worldwide network of sports fans, the team at RSM is also dedicated to mobilizing the sports community in ways that make a difference in the lives of others. Giving back to the community bridges the gap between team affiliations. It's something any fan can support. RSM proudly provided support for organizations and projects like Hockey Fights Cancer, Five Hole for Food, the Montreal Canadiens Children's Foundations, Autism Speaks, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada, and the People of Canada Portrait Project, just to name a few. If you would like to be involved with a Rocket Power project or have a worthy fundraising initiative you'd like us to be part of, please contact us at rocketsportsmedia.com. Welcome back once again to the Press Zone here on the AHL Report. I am your host, Amy Johnson, joined once again by my co-host, Rick Stevens. Don't forget, be sure you're following us on Twitter at the AHL Report. And we do have a new Twitter account just for this podcast. Be sure you're following at the Press Zone as well. That way you won't miss a thing during the week. And feel free uh Hit us up on Twitter, send us a tweet uh, if you have a question, if you've got some feedback, if you've got a suggestion, or if you just want to talk about hockey in general. Uh, we always love to hear from our fans and listeners and followers, so don't be shy. Uh, reach out on social media. Now, in this segment, we go beyond the AHL. Uh, and first, Rick, 
there's there's some prospect rankings that came out this week uh, that that we wanted to touch on. There's a lot of familiar names on this list, and um, you know it's it's a good as we just said, you know it's it's our job to make sure that when guys like you know the Jake Beans and and Morgan Frosts and Jake Evans and so forth, when they get to the NHL level, that you're already familiar with their names. And this is part of that. This segment really gives us an opportunity to to talk about the names that are the up-and-comers. Um, and with this new ranking list that's that's come out, uh, it's a perfect opportunity to do that. Scott Wheeler over at The Athletic has put out his top 50 um, list of prospects. And, and his criteria f- uh, for uh, putting together this list is that the prospect has to be under 23 years uh, of age, uh, not in the NHL, and they have to be um, part of a team either drafted or under contract with an organization. Um, and uh, so he's put together, um, uh, using that criteria, um, the top 50. So, um, you know, again, we'll relate to to our uh, Flyers and Canadians uh, listeners um, you're not going to find Joel Farabee on this list. Uh, he he's graduated, so to speak. You're not going to find Nick Suzuki for Canadians fans uh, on this list. He's graduated. Absolutely. The one thing Flyers fans you can be proud of: the Flyers are one of just four teams who lead this list with four prospects in the top 50 rankings. Uh, The Minnesota Wild, the Ottawa Senators, and the LA Kings also had four prospects apiece. This this is still going back to uh, Ron Hextall's exceptional drafting abilities that he had for the number of years that he served as the GM. Uh, We've talked about it numerous times. It is well documented, uh, you know, around the league that Ron Hextall stocked the cupboards. Um, the Flyers have been reaping the rewards of that for a number of years. They continue to do that right now. And they still, thanks to those years, still uh, representing with four names on this list. Um, at number 23, Cam York, left-handed defenseman, uh, drafted in just last year in 2019, uh, one of them we already spoke about, that's Morgan Frost, uh, 2017 draft pick uh, for the Flyers. Bobby Brink, also drafted last year. And another name that we spoke about uh, is Yegor Zamula, uh, who finds himself at, at this training camp with the Flyers as well. So, so um, that's a strong list of names for uh, the Philadelphia Flyers. Cam York is at number 23. Morgan Frost and Bobby Brink right next to each other at 28 and 29 and Zimula at 31. So almost, almost all of them in the top 30. Uh, Zimula just, just a bit outside at 31. Um, but on, and, go ahead. And, and what's missing here is a, a real high-end prospect. Uh, right. There's very good, pro- very good prospects on here. Uh, but you don't have your your top end prospect, and that would be obviously uh, Nolan Patrick, and right. and uh, and and unfortunately he's not uh, ready to play just yet. That's right. Um, now for the Canadians, there are there are two prospects uh, on this list. Kind of bookend. 
They are. (laughs) They're at the end of the list and they're at the beginning of the list. Uh, We've talked about one of them already. Alexander Romanoff falls at number 48 on this list. So he just squeaked in. Now, Um, if you listen to Canadians fans. uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He should be number one. Um, But I don't think they'll argue where where Cole Caulfield falls at number three on this list, just behind Dylan Cousins and Trevor Zegras. Um, so Cole Caulfield's sitting, sitting pretty at number three. Keep in mind, the decision has been made that he's going to go back to NCAA hockey again this year. The NCAA season, of course, completely up in the air. A lot of, uh, a lot of colleges and universities are already making announcements about postponing and or canceling, uh, fall sports. Hockey is considered a fall sport. It starts, it starts in September, uh, at the collegiate level. Um, so... Yet to be determined how that shakes out for Cole Caulfield, but uh, number three on this list from Scott Wheeler. And just uh, glancing through the top 10, not much uh, fun in Buffalo these days, mm-hmm. but uh, Dylan Cousins is on the way, and he's a real good one uh, mm-hmm. l- sitting at number one. I really like Trevor Zegras um, and uh, Anaheim Ducks uh, 2019 pick. He's at number two. Uh, we mentioned Caulfield at three. Alex Newhook, uh, we we got to know because we were with uh, Colorado Avalanche fans. Um, last year at the draft. At, last year at the draft. Um, Bowen Byram, great defenseman at uh, for Colorado at number five. Uh, Kiprasov, uh, we've heard him, uh, his name uh, alongside of Romanov's uh, as one of those players who can join their teams, who can be signed, and, and Kiprasov was signed not to a three-year L- ELC, but a two-year, uh, and he's going to join the Wild, but not uh, a- be able to participate uh, this season. Um, Alex Turcott, um, he was uh, Cole Caulfield's uh, center uh, for the most part in Wisconsin this past year, uh, uh, fifth round, or, sorry, uh, first round, fifth overall pick for Los Angeles. Um, uh, Kaliev, Arthur Kaliev, uh, played with the Bulldogs at eight. Peyton Krebs, that was the choice. Was it going to be Caulfield? Was it going to be Krebs? Canadians went with Caulfield. Krebs went instead to the Knights. He's at nine. And number 10, Nick Robertson, uh, the promising prospect from the Leafs. There's also some other notable names on here. I see at number 12, uh, the Edmonton Oilers, Evan Bouchard. Uh, he actually, the, the list that we talked about uh, in, the se- in the last segment about AHL names to watch out for in the NHL playoffs, Evan Bouchard is one of those. He will be playing with the Oilers, so keep an eye out for him. Uh, Matt Baldy, we know that name from covering uh, USA Hockey. Uh, Moritz Sider with the Detroit Red Wings. That was another big story at the draft uh, in 2019, and yet again, we had a big uh, big hubbub about that with our uh Rocket Sports Media group of ticket winners at the draft, uh, as as one of our one of our guests and winners was a Detroit Red Wings fan and made a pretty big splash with Moritz Sider when he was picked. Um, you're looking at names like Drake Batherson with the Senators, Eric Brandstrom with the Senators. Uh, you certainly know those names. Drake Batherson, Rocket fans will know that name for sure. Uh, Nils Lundqvist, Nils Hoglander, uh, Owen Tippett. For Florida, comes in at number 27, just ahead of Morgan Frost and Bobby Brink. I had said back at uh, in the last segment that Owen Tippett was a name that you'd want to be keeping an eye out for. Um, 
Nick Suzuki might not be on this list, but his brother Ryan is for Carolina, coming in at 34. Um, and so you've got a lot of really great names on here. Some of them you'll be familiar with. All of them are going to be guys who uh, you're going to know their names pretty well. Hobie Baker Award, uh, number 30, Scott Perunovich from the That's Blues. That's right. That's right. Uh, so we'll keep an eye on them, of course. Uh, great news for the Flyers uh, and uh all of the Canadians only have two. One of them is in the top three, so that's uh, that's something to look forward to as well. Speaking of things to look forward to, I know that everyone listening to this program looks forward to the never-ending Trois-Rivières ECHL updates. <laughs> I think they. I think at at some point Dean McDonald should just just pitch a soap opera pilot around this thing because, Be sure to follow. because it's getting to that point. Um, so yet again, press conference was held. No, there is still not an announcement that the Canadians have an ECHL affiliate in 12 Riviere, but Rick, it has gotten a little closer than that. It has. <laughs> It's really starting to feel that way. <laughs> it has. Now, um, there's not a team, there's not a, an association with a team. Um, the ECHL isn't necessarily uh, involved just yet, but there is a lease agreement, and that's a start. That's where they have to start. Uh, it's Dean McDonald. Of course, we know him f as uh, the owner of the uh, Newfoundland Growlers, uh, the uh, ECHL affiliate of the Toronto Maple Leafs. And uh, he has, he and uh, his Deacon Sports and Entertainment Group have um, been working on this for months and months and months and months uh, with the uh, city council uh, and mayor of uh, Trois-Rivières. And they finally came to um, a lease agreement f uh, for the $60 million brand spanking new arena in fact it's not yet finished should be finished this fall uh 4500 seat uh arena in trois rivieres so uh that's the start and um uh, it's probably going to be fall before uh the affiliation is um is announced but uh, we would be shocked uh, and, but this has taken strange turns uh, in the past, so it, it could happen. But we'd be shocked if it wasn't the Montreal Canadiens uh, ECHL affiliate that is uh, announced uh, to go in that brand new building. Interesting of note, and I know we've talked about this before, but just a reminder that there is now a new special advisor to Deacon Sports and Entertainment uh, Limited, which is the group... Uh, managing uh all of this uh used to be represented by marc andre bergeron or what well, is is also represented by marc andre bergeron but is also has a special advisor of mark waitman keep that in mind who's mark waitman rick i think i think we know who that is don't we president of the alouettes and um a long long period of time in cfl hockey then moved over to uh group ch and uh, was involved with the Laval Rocket and Plas Bell uh, and did a great job there and is credited uh, for um, uh, uh, pursuing and, and succeeding in getting the uh, All-Star game um, whenever the AHL re resumes that Laval will have the next All-Star game. And a lot of that is due to the work 
of Mark Waitman. Now, um, again, uh, Dean McDonald, uh, his perseverance through all of this, uh, he, he was told no a thousand times. Uh, and uh, as you said, uh, Marc-Andre Bergeron was involved as a ambassador for uh, the city of Trois-Rivières. And uh, when he was said no, when it was shut down, when Jean Lamarche said, no, we don't want you, um, Dean McDonald went ahead and, and uh, hired Marc-Andre Bergeron to work for his team um, and as well uh, picked up Mark Waitman uh, and Jean Lamarche said uh, for him, that was the turning point when Mark Waitman uh, came on board uh, the Deacon Sports team. Absolutely. If you want to familiar familiarize with yourself with Mark Waitman and the, the kind of um, passion he has uh, surrounding the game and and what kind of person he is, he's 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 very motivated. Uh, head over to the All Habs Hockey Magazine YouTube page. We have an exclusive interview from with Mark Waitman from. Um, the All-Star Game in the AHL All-Star Game that was held in Springfield uh, back in 2019. Uh, so be sure to check that out. We'll introduce you to Mark Waitman a little bit. With that in mind, we one of the things we also want you to do is make sure that you're subscribed to this new version of our podcast, The Press Zone. So how do you do that? Well, go to your favorite pod, podcast platform, search for The Press Zone or if that doesn't come up, the press zone for hockey prospects and make sure you're subscribing, whether it's Spotify, whether it's Apple podcast, whether it's overcast, whether it's iTunes, uh, pretty much any podcast platform, whichever one is your favorite, you'll find us there. Make sure you hit that subscribe button so that you don't ever miss a week, uh, of, of shows, particularly now that hockey is back. The other super easy way to do it is the pl- if if you're if you're listening to this on our website and you're you've got our player uh, right there on your screen underneath where you hit play to play this right next to that you'll also see the word subscribe just that's a that's an active link just hit that button and you'll be able to subscribe and select which platform you'd prefer to listen to the podcast on uh, and you can, you'll be able to subscribe that way we don't want you to miss a beat beat be sure you tell your friends and share on social media uh, we really uh, now that we've rebranded we want to make sure that we get everybody back together again we want to make sure that we're expanding our our reach and our listenership uh, to bring you all of these great stories and great news about AHL hockey prospects, potential draftees, and of course the return to play. So make sure you share on social media, uh, subscribe to the podcast, give us a five star rating. You know, every time we get a rating, uh, whether it's on the show in general or a specific podcast episode, it helps to it helps make it more discoverable for other people uh, on that same podcast platform. And that just means that more of us are coming together to talk about hockey, and that's a good thing all the way around. Right, Rick? Absolutely. And if you've missed any of our back episodes, if, if you, you took some time off during the pandemic and you want to hear more, uh, all you have to do is go to thepresszone.com and that will take you to uh, the complete set of archives of The Press Zone and formally from The Press Box. That's right. Uh, one last thing, quickly before we go, I can't leave without a feel-good finale. And uh, this week I've entitled it Play Ball. Maybe not for the reason you're thinking, though. Yes, okay. summer camp is officially in session for Major League Baseball, and they're starting to play some intra-squad scrimmages and so on and so forth. But that's not 
the play ball that we're that I wanted to, to mention. There's a there's a man who is about 70 years old, grew up playing pinball. Like pinball was his thing. Pinball wizard, you know. Uh, but he's a heart patient. He's 70 years old. He's he's got a heart condition. And even though his favorite arcade has reopened, he can't risk going there and being inside and and playing and so forth. So he told them, you know, I'm just going to stop by and say hello from outside. Just, you know, say hello to everybody. Well, when he arrived, the owner had waiting for him plugged in out on the sidewalk, his favorite pinball machine, (laughs) so that he could play his favorite game without having to go inside and risk exposure to coronavirus. Like that a lot. Like that a lot. Love it. Uh, And we love that you're here with us each and every week. Again, be sure you're following us on social media at the press... Uh, at the press zone and at the AHL report. You can also find both Rick and I on Twitter. Rick, you'll find him at all Habs and me, you'll find me at flyers rule. Be sure to uh, interact with us on Twitter. Give us a follow. Uh, tell your friends uh, to listen in to the press zone each and every week. We cover teams all across the league. You don't have to be a fan of just the Montreal Canadiens or just the Philadelphia Flyers to listen to this show. We've got something for everybody, and uh, we love having you here every week. Uh, Rick, let's uh, let's buckle in. We've got a, a whole week of training camp coming up. Who knows what we'll have to talk about next week? Oh, we'll have all kinds <laughs> of all kinds of fun. Absolutely. Thanks so much for joining us. You be safe out there. Uh, stay safe social distance, wear your mask, wash your hands, and enjoy the fact that hockey is starting to get back. Keep your fingers crossed, and we will be sure to be back here with you next week, same time, right here on The Press Zone. And keep on wishing Remember your dream Your only skin So keep on pushing